pass, and I hope they have help. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you're already seated, you could be seated. If you can stand, let's stand together. If you can. Meant to catch you before you got down, but you're too quick. Can we close those doors, please? Good morning. Father, we worship you. We glorify you. You are our Father in heaven. You are the creator of all things. Lord Jesus, we, we, we certainly acknowledge everything that you did and we acknowledge your grace, your mercy, everything that you've extended toward us, your loving kindness. Lord, but help us in this moment and in all the rest of the days that we live on this earth, Lord, never to fail to tremble at your word. Father, not to take your grace and mercy for granted and not to take advantage of your grace and mercy. Lord, help us, Lord, to, ever, to be mindful that you are God. Not our pal, our buddy, our friend, although you are the friend, but you are God. Almighty, all-powerful, but you are love. So thank you, Lord, for everything that you've bestowed upon us. Thank you, Lord, for all of the opportunities, Father, for all of the many things that you've given us, all the blessings, Father, but especially, Father, for your love. And we ask, Lord, that you would teach us how to operate, how to be, how to remain, how to abide in your love because of what's shared this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. You may be seated. I'm going to um, tie a couple of things together. I think there have been... Um, you know, we've been for a long time about, you know, building a house, the foundation and, and things of that nature. But, um, you know, and I just, I think that uh, this morning things will be tied together a little bit. Um, so I'm going to begin in First Peter. Again, I want to uh, forewarn you that I will be reading some scripture. Don't go to sleep. I may take a shoe off and throw it at you. No, I'm just kidding. No, please don't go to sleep. But just remember, this is not Tony's word. This is God's word. And we should tremble at his word. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to begin in 1 Peter, but I will tell you, those of you who still have, sure enough, non-electronic Bibles, sure enough, we're going to get a lot out of Nehemiah this morning. So, but beginning, we're going to review some things in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Peter, chapter 2, therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. I got to pause here. This is instructing the church. This is a letter to the church. And this is telling the church that these, all these things need to be laid aside. What things? Well, let's say all malice. Anything that is bad intentioned, right? Deceit. Hypocrisy. Envy. Evil speaking. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Coming to him as a living stone. Rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Look at this with me, verse 5. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Remember, I, wanna, I, got, I can't go any further without reminding you, you know, these, 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 these spiritual sacrifices. And, and I, want to, I want to 
I, I can't help it. I know for those of you who have been in the faith for a long time and those of you who here, you hear it repeatedly, but my brothers and my sisters, we need to know this. It's what comes, through our, what comes from our mouth. These spiritual sacrifices, these praises from our lips. Not, and listen, not just giving God our little, you know, petty blah, 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 but no, what's said from the lips, what's crossing our lips is meant from the heart. So when I acknowledge God and you acknowledge God, God you are God. You, you are God. You hold everything in your hands. You control everything. I acknowledge that. But great are you, God. And great is your love toward us. And thank you for your mercy. So when you praise God like that, you're glorifying God. Those are the sacrifices, part of the sacrifices that he's, 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 he's speaking of in this scripture. Amen? But now let's, let's, let's remember this. Sacrifices meant something. In Judaism, they were all signs or all pointing to the coming Messiah, right? It was saying that you and your sin are not acceptable. Without the shedding of blood, without these certain sacrifices that you make, you have no right to, to come before God. And you are God's people. So being, because you are God's people, you're going to have to follow these certain statues, these certain things. Amen? And, and the only reason why I'm going to come before you is because I made a covenant with you. And in order, look, come on, I'm trying to say this fast. But look at but but what un, what David understood, King David, what he understood. If it was just about the sacrifices, I'd kill it all. I I'd sacrifice bulls and I'd sacrifice everything to you. But that's not what you want. You want my heart. You want obedience. You want Amen. amen. So this these are the sacrifices that are acceptable to God, and and we get to do this through Jesus Christ by Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 6. Therefore it is also contained in the scriptures. Behold, I lay a Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Verse 7 with me. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble, how? Being disobedient to what? The word. The word to which they were also appointed. Now, we know that in this particular scripture, right, he's speaking specifically to a group or a class of people. Amen? And when he's talking about the word, he's talking about the Old Testament. So let me read this again. To which they were also appointed. Let me ask you something. Okay, how does that apply to us? All of it. See, they had uh, the Old Testament pointing to Jesus, and now they had the gospel preached to them, but he's speaking specifically to those who, who were the lawyers, those who were the dividers of the Old Testament scriptures. Amen? And he said, listen, they had that word appointed to them, but they couldn't understand it because their hearts were hard. My brothers and my sisters, this word has been appointed to us, not to the, not to the pastors, the prophets, the teachers. No, 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 to us, all of us who are born again. This word has been appointed to us. So our call is to be obedient to this word. Amen? amen. Okay, you all said amen. amen. Yes. All right. Verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Again, talking about praising and adoration toward God because you knew where you were and you know where you are now if you're truly born again. Amen? amen. Okay. Who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Oh my gosh. God is so good. Isn't he? Okay, so we're a different people now. We're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a chosen generation that we have to make these sacrifices. Now we all remember that. And remember that was part of uh, where we were. And now building on that, we went then last week into 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let no one deceive you by any means. 
For that day, what day? The day of the Lord, when he comes back to earth and everybody sees him, not the rapture. The day of the Lord will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. We know who that is, the Antichrist. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. So that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. So this is talking about, as we know, and I've said it before, but for those of you who may have forgot or weren't here or just tuning in today, remember this is the... uh, um, the um, abomination of desolation that uh, was spoken of by Daniel, and then Jesus also mentioned it, didn't he? Amen? It's just, okay, so he's speaking of that. He's speaking of that time when the Antichrist or the leader of the world, the one leader that everyone is pointing at or looking to, that leader, initially he's going to restore sacrifices and offerings and things like that at the temple, and it'll be kind of one religion, but everybody's going to share it. And then he's going to go ahead in the middle of the Great Tribulation, he's going to set himself in the temple, and he's going to say, I'm God, you worship me. That's the abomination of desolation. Amen? Okay, so now what he's saying is, we know that the mystery of lawlessness is already still, it's it's already working, right? Okay, so now what he's saying is, this is already occurring. Amen? Stay with me. This is already occurring, but it's not the day of the Lord. We know that the day of the Lord hasn't come because, watch, the abomination of desolation hasn't taken place, right? And the abomination of desolation hasn't taken place because he, his church, his body is still in the way. Amen? Hallelujah. For the mystery of law is still at work. Only who restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. With the breath of his mouth. Amen? Amen. He's going to speak it. They're going to be gone. So look, remember what I said to you last week. We, us, we're the, we're the wall. We're the thing that's holding the... La- Come on. Amen. Come on. We're holding this fullness, this... We're holding this fullness back. His body, you, the representation, you have, listen, the Holy Spirit will be here because we we, we know that the Holy Spirit will be here during the Great Tribulation because there will be people preaching. I've told you this, and you know it because you've read it. There will be people ministering the gospel. There will be people that will be saved. Some, the Jews mostly, will be saved during the Great Tribulation. That can't happen without the presence of the Holy Spirit. So this doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is going to be totally taken away. But this same unction, this same anointing, the same presence will not be here. Why? Because Jesus' body will be taken away. We'll be out of here. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God has not appointed you and me to wrath. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Do you want to have something to praise him about? Look at how nasty it's getting right now. But this isn't even comparing to what it's going to be. But you won't be here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise him. Hallelujah. Verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth. The love of the truth. That they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion. Remember last week about strong delusion. That they should believe in the lie. That they may all be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. My brothers and sisters, I know we hit hard on this last week. But I got to tell you, you and me, we, the church, we're the wall. 
Just remember this. So, so, so watch. All of the scriptures that we've been in and all of the places that we've been over the last few weeks, day, maybe months, it's about the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. And look, the church is powerless because we don't really adhere to the truth. We don't tremble at his word anymore. And we've mixed some, some of this deception that's gone on. And, and we're, we're, we're trying to be a cultural church instead of being the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we've been watered down just a little bit. But I'm here to tell you that God, that God, that God who told us these things is still the same. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What he meant for them and what he said then, he means for us now. Hallelujah. So watch. What's holding the Antichrist back right now? It can't be them. They're gone. It's us. It's those of us who are the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Those of us who are born again, who cherish the truth. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're the only things holding it back. And there's power. I, I, I got to preach here. I got so much, but I got to preach here just a little bit. Listen, you are a stone. We're all as living stones being brought together. But the minute we start compromising, we, let the, we leave an opening for the devil. You are more than a conqueror through whom loved you. God loves you and he will never stop loving you. But my brothers and sisters, the minute we start compromising, we know the truth and we don't adhere to the truth. We don't trust in it, believe in it, adhere to it. My brothers and my sisters, we leave an opening for the enemy. It's not God punishing us. God, is, God loves us. He doesn't want to punish us. He's given us, all the, he's given us all the arrows in the quiver that we need. Hallelujah. We've got all of the things at our disposal. But the problem then becomes when I start believing the, the devil and I start being deceived just a little bit. Get distracted, right? But I want to tell you something. The devil cannot stop you. He can't do it. How do I know that? Well, the, what would a preacher say on Sunday? No, because he said it. Amen. He said it. There is no weapon formed against me that will prosper. Listen, if Jesus has already... Do, be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. See, Jesus has already won us the victory. What we have to do is live in him. What we have to do is abide in the truth. Abide in that word. Amen? And not compromise. When we compromise, we leave the opening. Hallelujah. I don't want to leave. So now watch. All of us are parts of this wall. We're the church and we're, we're the wall. Yes. So now let's speak to, you know, uh, just, just our homes. Man, when a mom and dad have a family altar and they're in unity and they're holding hands and praying for their kids, there's something happening. Amen. Oh, it may not always look like it, but there's something happening. Yes. What? There's strength there. There's power there. Amen. You, you're a watchman on the wall. You're watching for your kids. Man, we are the wall. We have to intercede for each other. We have to intercede for those moms and dads, for the grandmoms and granddads. Oh, man, I'm so on fire right now. Hallelujah. We have that power. And together. But see, now when one gets weak, we start to leave that crack open. Right? We, we, no, we, we can't do that. To stay strong in the Lord. Understand what the truth is. And not just acknowledge it with our mind. When we understand what the truth is, then at that point we know that it's not just enough to know what it is. We have to live. And when we don't live when we know, that's even worse. 
you have a lot more to answer for. And I'm going to tell you all something right now. Those of you or anybody out there who's ever been under this ministry, you, you, I'm without excuse. You are without excuse because I've never failed to preach the whole counsel of God. So no one can say, well, I didn't know. Because I'm going to tell you, when you stand, all of us, all of us are going to stand before God. All of us. And you will be responsible for what you know. And you're not going to be able to deny it. So that's what I'm saying. We need to tremble at his word. And then when we, I've, I, I just hear so many people will cavalierly, cavalierly say things about when they stand before God and what they're going to ask him and all that. No, I got a feeling when I stand before God, my mouth is going to be a gape and I'm going to, I'm probably going to be on the floor. And you know what? I have backing of that. Because you've heard me say this and you know yourself in Revelation, John turned around to see the voice that was talking to him and I saw one like the Son of Man and then he gives the description of the Jesus in his glory and he says, I fell down at his feet like I was dead. He spent three and a half years with him on earth but when he saw him in his glory, he fell down as dead. So am I going to be so bold as say, oh, when I get up there, I'm going to ask God this. No, when I get up there, I'm probably going to fall at his feet as dead. So now when he asks you, what you did with his truth. Amen. I'm just going to leave it there. So now we're going to go to Nehemiah because I've, 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 you know, some people already turned me off. We're going to go to Nehemiah. In Nehemiah, we're going to begin in chapter 1 and in verse 1. Some will be on the board. And I'm going to say it to you right now. If there's any mistakes as it relates to what's on the screen, it's not Addie's fault. I don't even know what I sent her. I, I was p pushing and scratching. I mean, I don't even know what I sent her. So Addie, do the best you can. Amen? Amen. So verse 1, chapter 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekaleah, it came to pass in, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susan, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my uh, brethren, came with men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and who had survived the captivity concerning Jerusalem. And he said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are, uh, are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broke down and its gates are burned with fire. Look at verse 4 with me. So, I was when, so it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for, for many days. I was fasting and praying before God, for the God of heaven. See, my brothers and sisters, I, I, I look at that. And, and I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, I'm concerned. I, I've, st I've stated it from this pulpit many times, and I'm not trying to influence what you think. So I'm just saying to you, when I read scripture like this, this, this man, Nehemiah, is getting a report about what happens, what's happened at Jerusalem, where the temple was, where the presence of the Lord was symbolized, right? Okay, so now he's saying it's in great distress. The walls are burned down and all. So when I hear this, the thing, and I'm not, I, for me personally, I think about the condition of the church today. I, I think about where we are and, and the way the truth has been compromised. And I think about uh, a modern uh, cultural friendly church that we've become. I, I can only speak in this country that, that we've become. And, I, and we do have a, a, a little bit of a, a look-see into what other countries are doing, i.e. You know, Australia and that big ministry that went out of there. So I see, I, I see this, and when I read this, you know, I, I, my heart goes out. 
And I see what's happening to our children uh, because they've been taught by cultural friendly uh, denominations and churches. And, and I see that, that there's no, again, there's no real understanding of the truth. Are you, are you with me? The whole counsel of God is not being preached and taught. So now look, that's almost, you, Tony, you say that almost every service. I, I, I know, I, I can't help it. I'm a last, I'm, I'm a last day's pastor. And, and I don't want any of you to miss what God is saying and, and what God's heart is. And I believe that if we look at, delusion is already here. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Amen? And, and you don't have to be a brain surgeon or a spiritual giant to see what's going on in, in our culture and in cultures around the world, right? You don't, you don't have to, and you don't have to be a spiritual giant to see what they're doing to our children through all kinds of media, right? You don't have to, but so my brothers and sisters, so, so when I'm seeing this and I see, you know, the presence of God, you know, that, that representation of the presence of God, which is the church, the pillar and ground is the truth, the body of Christ. So I see that there because that's what that was. And you see in the condition that's being described to Nehemiah and, and how does Nehemiah react? He sat down and wept. He sat down and wept and he mourned. But look at what it also says. Did you have it up there, Addy? Could you put that back up there for me, please? I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. See, see my brothers and sisters, it's easy for people like me and for you and whoever. I mean, we could point out what's wrong and we can point out, you know, you know how bad it is and we can point out the faults of these, you know, whatever, the, the charlatans and the false preachers and all this other stuff. That's, that's easy. But here's what we should be doing. What did he do? Fasting, Fasting and praying. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. So continuing now, and it came to pass, I'm going to be in, uh, I think we're jumping ahead to chapter 2. Uh, beginning verse 1. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad, since you're not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid, and said to the king, My king, live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? They, then the king said to me, What do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant was, has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I might rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, How long will your journey be? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. So I want to I pause here. Get this picture in your mind, okay? So now, he's the cupbearer. He's the cupbearer before the king. <laughs> he receives this bad news, and it affects him greatly, right? We, we already read in that chapter. You know, he's weeping, and he's lamenting, he's mourning, and he's praying, and he's fasting. So now, he's standing before the king. And when he stands before the king... Uh, he's a little afraid because all of a sudden, you know, the king has never seen him sad and now he's sad and he has to maybe give him an explanation. If the explanation isn't good, guess what happens? <coughs> this is not, you know, child's play. This isn't, well, you're fired. You know, this isn't that. This is, hey, you know what? You're in prison. I don't like the tone. I don't like the tenor. I don't like your attitude. Guess what? 
you know, you're, you're, gonna, you're, you're either executed, you're put in prison. It's not anything like, okay, just go along your merry way. We'll get a new cupbearer. He was afraid. But know what I love? I love that my, my brothers and sisters. He's already, he's praying, he's lamenting, he's, he's fasting. And he, let's listen to the end of Nehemiah's prayer. <clears throat> he wept in mourning, he fasted before God. And part of the prayer before God, oh, he, he, when he prayed, he first acknowledged he acknowledges God's awesomeness. I'm going to say Tony language. He acknowledges God's awesomeness, the greatness of God. And he acknowledges his own sin and the sin of the people. See, my brothers and sisters, too many times what, what I need to do, what you need to do, what we need to do is always... And you know what? The Lord Jesus, when he was asked by his disciples, teach us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven. The first thing is you acknowledge that God is hallowed. Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You are mighty. You are powerful. You are separate. There is no one else like you. You acknowledge the greatness of God. But I want to tell you something. If you're just throwing lip service at God, he knows. So when you get down on your knees and you say, Oh God, you're great, you're good. If you're not meaning that from your heart, guess what? That gets turned back on you. Man, I have people, I, I've told, I have people that try to play games in, in a little bit. I mean, they're, I don't know what they're doing, but, oh, man, you're so great, you're so good. I said, Listen, stop. Don't talk like that to me. I, I know what they're doing. And so after a little while, I've had people that work in different departments for where I work, and, you know, hey, you know, so-and-so, and then they'll start to, you know, hey, stop. I, I put up with it for a little while. Stop. Don't, don't, don't do that. It, it's just Tony. Or how you doing? Or don't, oh, how you doing? You're the boss, man. You're the, no, just stop. Stop. See, and if it bothers me, who am nothing, what do you think God thinks about it? Do you think that you're actually going to come before me and talk that way? And I'm just going to say, hi, how are oh, yeah, oh, good. And get all kind of enamored with what you're saying, that you're going to, God isn't like us. So don't even put on the show. But truly, my brothers and sisters, if you know in your heart that God is awesome, God is great, and when you can believe and tremble at his word and you say, you know what, God, I do believe that you are the one that clothes himself in inapproachable light. I do believe, Lord, that you have the power to create just by speaking a word. I do believe, Lord, that everything and everybody has to give answer to you. You alone are God, and there's no other. Hallelujah. Do I believe that? Yes, I believe that. So this is what he did. This is Nehemiah. He's given us such a great model, not, not just for someone who is a, a, a follower of God, but someone who God has called to lead. Yes. He wept and he mourned. He was fasting and he prayed. He acknowledges the sin of himself, the sin of his people. He acknowledges God's warning to them that if you go ahead and worship other things, I'm going to leave you to your enemies. And he acknowledges that's what happened. But he also acknowledges, God, you promised. And let me read to you again in uh, the end of Nehemiah's prayer. Oh, Lord, I pray, please, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire, listen, who desire to fear your name. And let your servant prosper this day. Hallelujah. I pray and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. You see what he's saying? 
He knows that something's about that. He's got this burden on his heart. He's been in prayer and fasting before the Lord. He knows that there's something up. He knows that God is motivating him to do something. And not only does he know that God is, listen, not only does he know that God is motivating, he is willing. He's seeking God's face. He's fasting. He's praying. He's seeking God. He's praying to God. He's acknowledging God. He's humble before the Lord. Lord, you're great, but we've sinned and we've messed up. But Lord, you also say this. So now I'm saying, Lord, before this man, just give me favor. Have mercy on me and give me favor. Because he knew he was, he's the cupbearer. He's going to have to stand before the king. And when the king notices that his countenance is down, the king is going to ask him. And he doesn't know what's going to happen. So that's why it does say in the word, uh, I had never been sad in the king's presence before, so I became afraid. So there was a little bit of fear. So Nehemiah, the king notices his sadness, and Nehemiah, listen, he, he said, I prayed. I, I just... Nehemiah gave that what we already covered. He told him why he was upset, why he was sad. Why shouldn't I be sad? But notice what he said first. Live forever, king. <laughs> Live forever. He's acknowledging that authority. He's acknowledging that authority over him. Come on. See, my brothers and sisters, I, it doesn't matter to me who I'm answering to on my job or wherever it is, the police officer that stops me on the road, I got to acknowledge that authority over me in that moment. I don't want to go political. I really don't. But I'm going to tell you honestly, as a Christian, as a Christian, as a Christian, I acknowledge that authority and I do everything that I can to be peaceable. Amen? And, and that's it. That's my responsibility as a Christian. Now, if anybody wants to take advantage of me, they're going to have to answer to God. If not today, tomorrow, or someday, they're going to stand before God and they're going to have to give an answer for that. Amen? Amen. Because I want to tell you something, and I had a dream. I want to tell you all something. When you lie or when you mistreat somebody, that's marked down. When you stand before, you might think you're getting away with it because nobody's called you to the carpet here on this earth, but when you stand before God, you will be you will have to acknowledge it, my brothers and my sisters. If you don't acknowledge it here on this earth and get forgiveness, you will be acknowledging it before God. I want to tell you young people. No, I want to tell all you people, but hopefully you young people will hear my heart. When you lie to your parents, you're lying to God. Husbands, wives, when you lie to your spouse, you're lying to God. What? They're not God. No, they're not. But listen, you're lying. And when you get up there, you've got to give answer for that. God says when you lie, you're imitating your father, the devil. So my brothers and sisters, that's serious stuff. Don't embellish. Don't lie. Tell the truth. That, tell the truth in love. Tell the truth in love. You don't have to be brutally honest and hurt somebody's feelings. But sometimes you, you do have to be honest even though you're going to hurt somebody's feelings. Young people, you know what? You have that authority over you. you I don't know why I'm here. Please help me. Listen, uh, young people, you have the authority of your parents in the house. You may not always agree with them. Nevertheless, they're the authority in the house. So listen, if you disrespect your parents, I'm telling you, you will have to answer for it in this life or in the next. 
I'm telling you, God takes that very, very seriously. So I want to again now say to the adults, if, if, that's, if, if that's your case, if you have uh, young people that are not respectful of you, then you do your best to do the godly thing always. Always. That doesn't mean you take off the belt as soon as that. No, I, I, God, I don't know why I'm here. I, I'm, listen, love, love, love. And sometimes love involves some punishment. Love involves correction. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't tell you the truth. I'd tell you what you want to hear. Make it easy on me. Maybe, maybe get some more butts in the seats. Forgive my vernacular. You understand what I mean, right? Okay, so watch. If you love someone, you have to deal with it, man. You have to deal with it, and you have to be honest, and you have to get the job done because you're preventing that person, these people, whoever, from harm. And I don't know why I went there, but I'm just going to trust God. Man, I want to tell you something, though. Honestly, there's too much of this in families, in families, in churches, um, anywhere and everywhere, but you wouldn't want that with people that are close to you, where there's a constant uh, enmity, a constant um, deceit, uh, malice, disrespect. Those are the things that God says these are the characteristics of a world that's been turned over, someone who is a reprobate. Now, if you're worried that you're a reprobate, then you're probably not. <laughs> but if you don't care about it, then I would say you might be. And, and I'm not happy about that. And neither should you be. And if you're listening to this message, then maybe, listen, God is still dealing with you. So, no matter what state of, of, of grace you find yourself in, no matter what state spiritually you find yourself in, if God is speaking to you through this message, hallelujah, you're not reprobate, and he's still trying to deal with you. So listen, go to him. Go to him. Hallelujah. So what came in? So Nehemiah is praying this prayer. He's, he's, he's very, very, we know that he's, he's afraid. He admits it. He's afraid. See, now, some people, some Pharisees or some people, you know, well, it's not, no, you should be more than all your family. No, man, do you get afraid at certain things? Amen. It's not necessarily the, the act of being afraid. It doesn't mean that you're not godly. It's how you react. See, that's an instinctive thing. If someone pulled out a gun right now, would anybody in this room be afraid? I would. But how do we react to it? If so, you, you know what I'm saying. I'm not trying to be silly. You understand what I'm saying. So Watch. He was afraid. How did he react? Did he keep his mouth closed? No. The king says, what do you want? What are you requesting? And what it says is, so I prayed to the God of heaven. So what does this mean? So the king's asking him a direct question. Try to picture this in your mind. He's before the king. He's the cupbearer. He has to take a drink of wine and give it to the king so that the king knows that it's not poisoned. That's what he does. That's his job. So now he's a confidant of the king. And so now the king and him probably have a decent relationship. He knows enough. The king knows him well enough that there's, his countenance is off. He's afraid because his countenance is off. The king asks him about it. He gives him the reason. And now the king says, okay, well, what do you want? Instead of saying, get out of here, give me somebody else. What do you want? What is it that you request? And it says, I prayed to the Lord God of heaven. What does that mean? He stopped what he was doing. He got down on his knees and he 
God, what should I tell this king? No. You know what I think it means? In that moment, Lord, help me. That's it. Lord, help me. Lord, give me wisdom now. Lord, help me to answer well. Lord, give me favor. That's all. That's all. He encouraged himself in the Lord. In that moment when he is afraid, he encouraged himself in the Lord. In that moment when he's feeling all kinds of human emotion, what he did was not act out of the emotion. He didn't zip it when the king noticed his sadness. He didn't get all afraid and to the extent that he reacted negatively. No, he kept his composure and encouraged himself in the Lord. How many of you, man, I wish I could do that every time. Whether I'm sad, whether I'm glad, whether I'm mad, whether I'm frustrated, right? When, I'm, when I feel that rage coming up in me because somebody just cut me off for the 19th time, whatever it is. When that person is reviling me, and I want to, it's everything in me to keep them, keep from smacking them. I mean, I, I want to encourage myself in the Lord. That's what he did. That's what, that's what Nehemiah did. But my brothers and sisters, hear me. This, this, this isn't a momentary thing. Remember where he started. He started because there was compassion on his heart for his people. He started because he knew who God was and what Jerusalem was, what his people were supposed to be. That's where this starts. And so what does he do? He fasts and prays, seeks God. God is in this thing, my brothers and sisters. God is in this thing totally. Hallelujah. So he stands before the king. He has so much favor. When he makes his request, he not only says, hey, I need to take leave for a time. I, I need some time off. Not two weeks vacation. I just need some time off. And so he also gives the king a list of things that he would require. Letters to the governors that, that gives him passage. Some goods and possessions that he can use. Some of the supplies that he needs. He makes this. He may, God, isn't this awesome? So when the king asks him, Nehemiah is not on the spot thinking, he already, listen, he's already been in prayer. He, look, oh, I want, help me to say this right. He already knew what the will of God was for him. How did he know? Prayer and fasting. He was in prayer and fasting before the Lord and he knew what to do when the time came. He was able to, a handful of things. In that situation, given that situation that he was in with the king, he didn't panic, although he felt fear. He didn't panic. He encouraged himself in the Lord. So look, even, what does it say? Even though he was prayed up, he was fasted up, when the time came and the rubber was meeting the road, he still had to encourage himself in the Lord. Have you ever done that, by the way? Have you ever been, yeah, have you ever been in that situation? Yeah, where I'm, I'm going into a meeting and I don't know how it's going to turn out and I'm saying, Lord, I'm walking in the door. Lord, give me favor. Amen. I'm walking in the door. Lord, help me to know what to say. Have, have any of you ever... ever Yes. Yes. You, you're not sure. Um, I'm faith. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to turn over the tables. and I'm gonna... Stop it. Stop it. No. Lord, give me fa favor. Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, control what comes out of my... Man, I do that a lot when I, before I come to the pulpit. While I'm in the car driving over here, you know, hey, Lord, help me to say only what you want me to say. Hallelujah. All the time. That's prayer. Amen? 
All right, so now let's go back to Nehemiah. Um, <clears throat> chapter 4, beginning verse 1. So it happened when Sambalot heard that they were building, rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Syria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was with beside him and said, Whatever they build, if a fox goes up on it, <laughs> he will break it down. Uh, he will break down their stone wall. Hallelujah. So, so, so now listen. Watch. Have you ever had people that just absolutely tear you down? You ever, you ever, you ever have had that in your life? Okay. So, so watch. This is it. They, he had to put up with the same thing that you have to put up with. Young people, when you're trying to make your stand in school and you've got all of those naysayers, all of those people who are so ready to make fun at you, mock you, criticize you for being a goody two-shoes or for, you know, being old-fashioned or, you know, I, I, I can only imagine how my grandkids feel about their old grandfather in a pulpit, but then they live in the modern world. Well, grandpa, you know, he's old. Yeah, I am. I am. I'm old, man. I'm tired. I'm still a baby in the Lord. Listen. Culture, th throw it away. Modern fads and fanties, throw them away. This is the truth. This is the truth. So it doesn't matter what modern culture says about young people and how they should treat their parents and you older people, how parents, how you should treat your kids. That No, what does this say about that? And I don't know why I'm here. What does this say about that? Decisions that you have to make, they should be totally based on this. Not what the culture says should be right. Not what seems right to you in the moment. No, you can't. What, what does this say? Because this is eternal. Culture changes. Right? So why would we ever make a decision that is based on this much time? When, remember that rope? Why would we make a decision based on this much time compared to eternity? Why, why would we do that? Because we live more in this than we do in eternity. And we have to have an e a mind for eternal, a spiritual mind. But you have these people, nevertheless, who are going to be the naysayers. People who are going to try and tear down, not build up. People that are of the culture and people that don't see you as necessarily being someone who is... You, you might be a threat to some people. In some cases, when you live righteously, you're showing that it should be done and it could be done. You are a walking testimony. And they resent the testimony. Come on, that happens. So this is, this, we see this being played out right in front of us. So then in verse 4, Hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn the reproach on their heads and give them as a plunder to the land of the captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you, for they have provoked you to anger before their builders. Now, this is an Old Testament prayer. <laughs> I'm not going to return reviling for reviling, and I'm certainly, I don't, I've prayed some prayers in the past when some things got really wicked and they were going to hurt my grandkids or, or kids. I, I would pray some strong prayers, but not, I just say, God, get them out of, save them or get them out of the way. That's, that's one of my, I'm just sharing with you. I'm just, that, save them or get them out of the way. In the New Testament, we're supposed to love our enemies. And I believe that. And I'm not put in any way um, trying to criticize, mock that, push it down. So maybe the New Testament, maybe we don't pray a prayer like this. Maybe we just do a, uh, what, I mean, God save them. God show them. God, don't 
smite them. But rather God, and maybe that's, that's what we're called to do. I know that's what we're called to do. I, 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 I almost left those verses out just because I didn't want to have to take time to explain it. But I think that most of you people in this room that are born again and anybody who's watching knows that this doesn't mean that there is a inconsistency in Scripture. This is before uh, grace and mercy appeared. This is, this is, this is, this represents the enemy of our soul. I'm not praying for Lucifer or the devil to be saved. I'm, I'm not doing that. This is the representation of that. The evil and, and the, are, are you there? It's, it's a little quiet in here and I didn't mean to bog you down with some of these details, but I want you to hear the whole counsel. Amen? So verse 6. So we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind to work. There you go. Man, if you could do that in a church today, hallelujah. The people had a mind to work. Now it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were being, beginning to be closed that they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God and because of them we sat and watched against them day and night. Okay, so watch. My brothers and my sisters, this absolutely, positively can be applicable to us today. And, no, and I know that some of you in this room absolutely know. Man, it doesn't ha have, has it ever happened this way since you've been a Christian? Where a thing, you get, man, you have a, you just have a service and you have a praise and worship or you have a great devotion at home and you just, the Holy Ghost is all over you. And then you get out into the, the, into the workplace or you get out in, and something just sure enough goes wrong or something comes up against you and attacks you. Has that ever happened to anybody here? Okay, that's the enemy of your soul. And you're, my brothers and sisters, when you're living with the devil, he doesn't have to bother you too much. He's already got you. But when you become a threat to the devil, I'm telling you something, my brothers and sisters, there are going to be attacks against you. There is going to, my brother, there's a conspiracy against him right now. There's a, I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters, if you're a born-again Christian, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, but I'm telling you there's a conspiracy against you. But it's not a conspiracy. It's actual. This is not just a guess. It's a, it's a fact. How do I know it's a fact? I read the word. I have an adversary who walks around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's not looking to devour the ones that he already owns. He's looking to get the weak Christians. He's looking to get the carnal Christians. He's looking to get those people who he could deceive, who he could pull away from us, those who he could separate from the herd, those, those stones that have little cracks in them because they've compromised. Those are the ones that he's going to devour. No conspiracy theory. That's the way it is. So this test, this thing, this, this, this adversary... They're plotting against all of the powers in that land. They're, they're plotting against them. Amen? Amen? And they try to cause confusion. But look at, look at how they react. We made our prayer to our God. Do you see that? How did they respond? They make the prayer to, to God. Now, now, I'm going to tell you. See, now remember he says there were gaps that were being, they were being filled. Addy, did I give you any more scripture? Is that it? Is that all I gave you? Okay. If you go further, my brothers and sisters, I apologize. If you go further, here's what happens. And, and some of you know this. There were gaps. So what he did was, listen, he, he had people, he had um, half of the uh, folks 
stand in the gaps. He had people already in the gaps, in the walls, ready with spears, and, and he was ready for them. Why, why was he ready for them? God gave him information. They heard this, 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 this plot against them. They heard about the anger. They heard about what was going to happen. My brothers and sisters, there's no disguising that the enemy of your soul has a plot against you. So, you know, be ready. Watch. Watch and pray. And that's what they did. They prayed. And because they prayed and because they seek God, the man of God knows exactly what to do. And he puts people in the gaps. He stages people in the gaps and they keep watch wherever the gaps haven't been filled yet. My brothers and my sisters, this is a message to those of you who are strong in the Lord. Listen, I'm not talking about those of you who think you're strong in the Lord. I'm talking about those of you who know that you're fasting and you're praying, that you're doing, and God has laid people on your heart. Maybe it's my kids. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's someone else's kids. Maybe it's a situation that God has put you in the middle of. But you're the one that's called to stand in the gap. Be the wall. Hallelujah. See, that's exactly what they were doing. They stood in the gaps, and they became the wall. Now, can I totally relate to that? Absolutely. My brothers and my sisters, we are the wall. They had to fill in those gaps and be the wall. Hallelujah. But it came out of prayer, fasting, knowing what the will of the Lord is. And they were equipped, and they were armed. They had knowledge. Come on. They had wisdom. And the enemy was defeated. The enemy's, the enemy's plan was defeated before it even started. They didn't even try then. So then they try, they, call, they want to call Nehemiah down and have a meeting. But they're really setting a trap for him. He's not going to do that. He doesn't want to go, oh, maybe I could do this and gain favor with them. I could go ahead and sit down with these leaders and maybe I can gain favor. Why? You know what the will of the Lord is. God has called you to do something. He hasn't called you to go and, and, and make friends with them. He's called you to rebuild this wall. He's called you to protect the people. He's called you to stand in the gap. Amen? Come on. Somebody get with me here. Come on. I'm not going to make friends with the world. Oh, I'm going to be respectful as long as... Listen, what the Bible instructs us, as, as much as I can do, as much as I'm responsible for, I'm going to be at peace with everybody. I'm, my feet are going to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That means when I, wherever I go, I'm peaceful. I'm not looking for a fight. I'm not looking for a fight. I'm I'm, as much as I can do it, I'm going to be peaceful. I'm going to be respectful. I'm, uh, come on. Come on. I'm not called to sit down with them in that moment knowing what they want to do. How do I know? Because I'm in, listen, I'm in such fellowship with God, I already know what they're planning on doing. God revealed it to him. They had a trap set for him, so he never gets down off the wall. In fact, what he did was, he had half of the people stand guard with their uh, weapons ready, and all who were working, all the workers who were working on the construction of the wall, guess what they did? They had one hand on their sword, and they had the other hand doing the construction. The sword. The sword. The sword. Now, I could tell you, we're getting close to... I could tell you to go to Ephesians chapter 6, right? If you go to Ephesians chapter 6 and it tells us, having done all, stand, right? Talks about, listen, talks about the belt of truth. 
my brothers and sisters, as long as you hang on to the truth, as long as you, you cannot be given delusion, as long as you hang on to the truth, you believe in the truth. Listen, here's, if you believe in the truth, then you live according to the truth. When you know what the truth is, and then you're looking for a reason to compromise it because in my flesh right now, it would be a little bit easier for me. It would make me feel a little bit better. Listen, hallelujah. I, it, it just amazes me how we know, how, how, how we can go ahead as human beings and see on a package of something that says, this can cause cancer, but we still partake. I'm not trying to make fun at you if you're smoking or anything like that. I'm not doing that. But what I'm saying is think about that for a moment. Okay, so what does that have to do with anything? Listen, my brothers and my sisters, we, we know what the truth is and we have to adhere to it. Knowing what the truth is and then not paying attention to it doesn't do us any good. And then that truth is the whole thing. That, that ties everything together. It, that's why it's talking about that belt of truth. And it's, it's showing you, it's taking a, 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 a snapshot, if you will, of the Roman soldiers. What they, and so look, it also talks about the sword of the Spirit. What's the sword of the Spirit? The Word of God. How do I know that? It says it. Read Ephesians 6. It says the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, taking the sword of the Spirit. My brothers and my sisters, they had, I believe that with my whole heart, that's speaking volumes to me. That I, I'm, I need to watch. I need to be about God's business. I need to be working. I need to be doing what God has called me to do. And now look, he's called me to be the pastor to fill this pulpit right now. What has he called you to do? Because we're all his ministers. We're all his servants. I'll guarantee you that if you're sitting in here and, you know, you can say, well, I, I, no, no, we're all his servants and you've been called and gifted to do something. There's no question about it. And, it. and it doesn't matter how big or how small you think it is. I will tell you, I am so grateful and thankful that I have Deacon Steve, that I have all the folks that work in media, Mitch, uh, Tony, get, um, what's your name again? Terry, <laughs> I'm sorry, Terry and Jody, I'm, I'm so thankful, Michelle, I'm so thankful for all the folks that I have helping me, especially too, because as far as the, um, the, the media goes, eh, I'm not very gifted and talented in that, you know, my phone's not even working right, right now, uh. so, so my brothers and my sisters, I'm, I'm so thankful for those people, I'm so thankful, don't make me sing, I'm so thankful we have people that actually have good voices, because I don't, but we're all called to do something. We're all called to serve. We're all called to the ministry of reconciliation. Christ Jesus was reconciling all of us back to God. Amen? Amen. He preached the gospel. He taught, he showed us what the living gospel looks like. He showed us what the word of God in life looks like. He showed us what love looked like when he stretched out his hands. And he made the ultimate sacrifice so that our sins would then be covered by his blood. And now we are reconciled back to God. Amen? And so now we are His presence. We are His body, reconciling the world back to God. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So all of us have this ministry of reconciliation. So we're all called. We all have this, this thing. So now, how do I do it? Well, this is really easy. This thing is... So what do we know so far? Prayer and fasting are essential. They're essential. Now, I don't want to make it hard on you. Some of you may have restrictive diets or you may have uh, issues as it relates to your physical. Okay, fast from the phone. <gasps> Thank you, Lord. 
shut the phone off. Now, I know some of us are working, and we don't have that, uh, you know, we just don't. So, so look, do something other than for your work, shut it off. Uh, you know, fast from the television or whatever it is. Fast so that, listen, and don't just sit there like a bump and take on another bad habit. Listen, when you're fasting from this or from that or from food, man, spend some more time with the Lord. See, he was fasting and praying. He was seeking the Lord. He understood what the will of the Lord was so that when he gets in front of, when he get, well, watch, when he got into a bad situation, right? He got in a bad situation. That king had the authority to just say, off with his head. Just for no reason other than, I don't like the way you look. Am I lying? He's in the middle of a bad situation, but he knows what the will of the Lord is. And even though he's a little afraid, he gets encouraged. He encourages himself in the Lord. That's what you need to be doing, man. Get to that point where you're praying, where you're fasting, and when it comes up against you, and you're in the middle of that situation, you know exactly what to do. God, my Father in heaven, you love me, I love you. Help me. Yes. Hallelujah. God, give me favor. God, tell me what to say to this man. Come on. Will it work? Work for him. My brothers and my sisters, this speaks volumes to me. So take the sword of the Spirit now. Because we've been talking now about truth versus this delusion and the mystery of lawlessness which is at work. Man, what's wrong is right. What's right is wrong. Everything up is down. Down is up. It's not changed. The culture's changed, but God's not changed. God's standards of morality, God's standards of truth have not changed. So we abide by the truth. His word is truth. Amen? So I got the sword of the Spirit. I'm working what God has told me to do. I'm working it, and I know what He wants me to do because I've prayed and fasted about it, and I'm hanging on to the word, baby. I'm hanging on to the word. I'm, I know what the word says. I don't have to wait until Pastor Tony puts it up on the screen. Come on. I don't have to wait till he puts it up on the screen. I know what the word says. But praise God. I serve a God and I serve in a congregation where the word is more important than pleasing people. And so God is going to give me confirmation. Yeah, God. Has that happened to anybody? Where you know exactly where you are. The Holy Spirit's got you in a place and then you come to church or you t and, and all of a sudden if it's not the same subject matter or you're not looking at some scripture that you were just considering, that's not an accident. God is speaking to you. So you have this sword of the Spirit. The Word of God. Amen? He's given you the weapon. So why are we neglecting it? Let's not neglect it anymore. So man, I've got the, I've got the head knowledge. I've got this closeness with God. I got this sword. I know what he wants. I know what his will is for me. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I don't want to, I don't want to stop. But I have to. It's getting late. And I can hear some stomachs growling. No, I, I, I don't want to stop. So, so let's do this. Stand with me. Listen. If you can stand, stand. We're not bound to it. If you can't stand, that's okay. God will still acknowledge your prayer. Wherever you are, wherever you are in your spiritual walk, 
Listen, I hope that if I said something and you got nudged or you felt a little bit of a tug or maybe you started to get a little bit aggravated with me, I would ask, please, go to God. Go to God. Go to God. Go to God. So God, here we are. Lord, after hearing your word, Father, after acknowledging and understanding, Lord, thank you for the understanding. Thank you for showing us that picture in Nehemiah. Thank you, Lord, for showing us what you did through that man, with that man. You, call, you could have built that wall just by saying it with your voice. In fact, Jesus, I know, I read Revelation, you're going to defeat all the nations with the sword of your mouth. You're just going to speak a word and all of those armies of the nations will be destroyed. Lord, so powerful and great are your words. So thank you, Lord, for the word that you've given us through Nehemiah. And so, Lord, I pray that this would make a difference in each and every one of our lives. Father, whether we're in this room acknowledging this prayer or whether we're watching by video or hearing, Father, in Jesus' name, hear this prayer with sincere hearts and people who have a desire for you. Lord, teach us how to tremble at your word. Lord, we've, we've, we've forgotten it. Lord, we've, we've taken some things for granted. We've got a little relaxed. Lord, we want to be obedient to you. Lord, not because we are afraid of your punishment. We're not afraid of your wrath. But Lord, because we love you. So Lord, in this moment, as I know that there are people in this room and watching who agree, Lord, we love you. Lord, we, we want to be pleasing in your sight. But Lord, we're weak. We have some issues. Lord, there are some cracks in the wall. So Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, Father, as we acknowledge our faults and our failures, Lord, I pray right now in your name, Lord, that you would forgive us for our faults and failures. And Lord, we acknowledge that, Lord, um, there's a point somewhere in here where we have maybe taken advantage of your mercy and your grace. And so even, Lord, for that, we ask for your forgiveness. And so, Lord, now, in this moment, Lord, we ask that you would teach us fresh and new that you would bring us from a glory to the glory that you want us to be in. Lord, that you would reveal your will for our lives, what it is that you would have us to do. Lord, there's a way that seems right to us, and we could even justify it, sometimes according to your word. But Lord, we want to know that we know, beyond any shadow of any doubt, beyond any carnal reasoning, Lord, spiritually, help us to be exactly where you want us to be. Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. And Lord, while we're in this attitude of prayer, Lord, I lift up again all of our young people, Father, who are just so subject to what's going on in the culture. Father, and not even just our young people, but to all of us who are suffering according to some distraction or delusion. Lord, please give us spiritual eyes. Lord, please take the blinders off of us. Lord, please... Soften our hearts again, Lord, that we may receive the Spirit, that we will receive everything that you have for us, Lord. Lord, I pray all this in Jesus' name and thank you again for your grace and mercy. May, us, may we never take advantage of it again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I appreciate you. I really do. I appreciate you. I love you. I, I just, in the days ahead, let's continue, my brothers and my sisters, to pray for one another.
Read. Read. Read and do what he's telling you to do. Amen? Amen. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you. Go in peace. Have a great week.